Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk too much ahead of time. What a day to be a Denver sports fan. Always a great day to be doing the draft pod with my guy, the Schwan man. But first, we are, as always, presented by High Plains Strains. Drive through, check them out. If you're in Northern Colorado, they are the place for you. Remember to use code DMVR online and mention DMVR in stores to take advantage of the High Plains Strains deals. Okay, Jakester, what a time, man. What a time. We had some great. National semis, as I mentioned, some incredible Nuggets and Avs games last night. How are you feeling, my brother? I'm great, man. Uh, watching that Joker uh, just trebuchet fucking, I mean, it was a crazy shot. That was yeah. insane. I, I mean, I've seen him make, obviously, some insane shots, but my God. I was watching that with RK. It was electric. That was beyond anything. Just straight up bonkers um and Broncos season almost to an end I guess while I was in Italy everything uh came apart so that was that was fun seeing Broncos Twitter meltdown for the uh 90th time in two years it feels like uh while I was in on vacation trying to enjoy some good food so it's it's our time to shine as always Jake it's draft season baby it's time to look forward and I mean, no better way to start than talking about two incredible national semifinals. Where do you want to start? Bama, Michigan, a little the the Jake Justin Bowl, or uh, Washington, Texas. I guess maybe from a Broncos perspective, that's the game I would start with because Penix has been all the rage in Broncos country. We've obviously been quite high on him for a while. You've seen him live. Uh, I have not seen him live. I've huh. uh, interviewed him though. Yeah, right, right. You got to talk to him at the media days. Yeah, I couldn't remember if he's been to Folsom in the last two years. Um, before we dig into the tape and just an incredible game, let's get through. You know, the chatter with Penix is going to be the fact that he's twenty-four and uh, the injury history, which I looked up. It's a shoulder injury that kept him out basically an entire season. It's an ACL, and then he had that amazing uh, breakout season with the Hoosiers, and then it was the same thing. Another massive uh, labrum tear, if I'm saying that correctly, and then another ACL. And I forgot this because for some reason I thought he got banged up last year and missed some time. The last two years at Washington – fully healthy um he lost two games last year they are undefeated this season we were joking that this would be the bcs final uh michigan washington two undefeated teams easy peasy uh we just have to get there the hardware so that's going to be the knock on Penix. what are you seeing that 
would make you overlook that and uh, still take a first round flyer on this guy. The guy's just got an absolute hose. Yeah. I mean, his he's dead eye with it too. He's a sniper. I mean, my God, that touchdown, the post um, to the middle of the field where he splits yeah. the safeties was out of control. He threw a bomb to I think Odunze like sixty yards down the field, yeah, which was insane. He hit Odunze down the sideline in these just extremely tight windows. That's the one. All where that it was like completely dropped it in a bucket, like yeah. inch. <laughs> perfect just like you and i would right like the wide receiver doesn't even need to catch it he's almost just a robot with hands and he's putting it exactly on the hands he has unreal vertical accuracy sorry to interrupt keep going um just i mean that's all like the premier trait stuff but he can run too. his pocket movement i think is really sharp um he finds himself these windows to just get the ball off buys himself just that much more time uh, he's a great leader, obviously. All he's done is one. He brought Indiana to prominence, does now have Washington yeah. in the national title game. I, I can keep going, Drew. I love this guy. Clutch moments, yeah. And what stands out to me, the arm is obviously a huge feature, but I've talked to you about this, is he's just got some unique like pressure manipulation where he can like buy himself an extra inch to like just swivel his hips in. And because of that lefty motion, um, obviously RK put out the tweet of him throwing righty with the thing flipped and everyone's losing their mind. He has a very twitched up, like wristy release. You know, it's very Zach Wilson-y, Mahomes-esque in that. Um, And as a prospect, he does remind you a lot of Tua, which maybe is the like lame lefty uh, comp, but... You know, Tua wasn't an elite athlete. He wasn't uh, an elite arm necessarily, but boy, he just was a straight up bomber. Like he would, he would hurt you deep, and that vertical accuracy really killed you. And I wonder if Penix, similar to Tua, will come in the NFL. And maybe people kind of like at first poo poo his arm strength and be like, "Oh, this guy's supposed to have a strong arm," you know, like we did with Tua, where. The NFL is different. Mm-hmm. You're not Flacco, Herbert, Mahomes, Josh Allen. You don't have a full-blown howitzer, and you, you kind of notice. But the way he's going to be able to bomb it vertically is going to be incredible, and the way he manipulates pressure and stuff. There's not a ton of like intermediate throws that you see on tape. That's more a function of the offense that than anything he's bringing to the table. And, I mean, that is where kind of you, you live in the NFL game. So it'll be interesting to see that. Um, but he definitely like scrambles to pass. And he's going to be a very intriguing test case because for the intel we get, what we're able to base our evaluations on, right? We don't have a team doctor to go to necessarily. He checks off a ton of boxes and high-end ones. Absolutely. He's got plenty of traits. I mean, he's got the arm and all that. Um he kind of reminds me of Philip Rivers esque when he throws the ball. Yes. Uh, just how it's like a shot put. Yeah. Almost kind of like a sidearm type thing. Mm-hmm. But then he's got some like Joe Burrow in him, like in how he maneuvers mm. the pocket and how yes. he attacks downfield. Uh the accuracy too. Uh maybe even more athletic than Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's pretty uh athletic pretty too athletic, though. So yeah, no doubt. 
I mean, he's really the complete package to me. We're going to get into it, you know, into draft season. I still probably have Caleb number one, but man, if I, I have to have Penix number two. I think I called him number two earlier in the season too. Yeah, you did. And I'm starting to hear some, maybe Jaden Daniels should be number two buzz. That, I mean, that's high praise right there. I think that's all you got to hear from, from Jakester over there. If he's QB two. He was three. robbed of the Heisman also, by the way. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of true. It's kind of true. I still am Caleb Drake May, and I think him and Jaden Daniels is a fascinating conversation. Daniels has had some massively impressive throws and ticks up a bit with the athleticism. I mean, the way he was running away from defenders in the SEC was a Vic Lamar-esque almost, which is insane to say. So that's going to be fat. That's going to be a really fascinating thing. If you're thinking of Sean Payton offense, you're thinking who's most Drew Drew Brees esque. Gosh, I don't know, Jake. I mean, both these guys kind of like to hold on to the ball a little longer, make a play. You know, they're not necessarily get it out early and keep the offense on track. I guess Penix probably is the guy who does that more so between him and Daniels at this point, though. I mean, they're both very intriguing. I'm more than ready to hear arguments for either side. I think with I give the edge to Penix, though, just with the accuracy, I think. I mean, and you can I'm sure there's going to be people who give the edge to Daniels because of the athleticism and the running ability and all that. Um, So it's kind of just, a you know, pick your flavor type of thing. I I just think you can't teach accuracy the way that Penix has it. And you just can try and build something around him more than you can with Daniels. And that lasts for longer, I think. I mean, we've seen what happens with guys like Lamar, RG3, who come in the league, Deshaun Watson, even Joe Burrow, like I just mentioned, like they get hurt, um, especially when they come into situations with bad offensive lines. That wouldn't necessarily be the case here in Denver, but you'd be a bit more cautious. Um, and I have no doubt Sean Payton could design a hell of an offense around Jaden Daniels. It's just that that accuracy, man, it bails you out so much. We talk about margin for error. That accuracy is just, he almost eliminates your margin for or completely widens your margin for error with how accurate he is with the football. Cause he just hits everything that he intends to hit. It's really true. Um, and that game was an absolute masterclass. Odunze, Jalen Polk really stood out. I mean, that line for Washington has uh, really been incredible all year. I'm talking the offensive line because you, you could think I was talking the defensive line as well. Troy Fatanu, we got to see this kid's arm length because the left tackle for Washington has been outstanding all season long. Um, and I mean, you know, as you start to think, who could the Broncos be targeting in that mid first, just talk quarterbacks and we'll talk quarterback a ton. JC Latham will get to in the Alabama game. I don't know. I mean, he, his, his inability to block on the edge is part of why they can't get that first fourth down conversion there, um, in overtime to try and win the game. A guy like Otanu, oh man, he would be incredible in Denver if O-line was the route you would want to go. And really, I mean, Washington is the perfect example of like, they are all in on modern football. They are modern football to a T. 
They pass it. The wide receivers are just phenomenal. They get after you and they can cover you um, and they can pass pro, you know, so this should have been probably a bigger blowout than it was, but they don't necessarily know how to play any other way and they're running back injuries. Right. So that all complicated yeah. things. Um, Ewers is coming back. Nothing to make of there. I thought Byron Murphy, one of my favorite interior edge, uh, not interior pass rushers, um, for Texas played quite well and he's since declared. I don't know. Any other takeaways from this game on the Texas side or what have you? Um, I mean, Texas, I mean, man, all I can really say is I, I believe in Sark, man. I've said it a lot on this show. I think he's building a beast out there. Um, they're definitely more ready for the SEC than Oklahoma next year. It's not even a question. Oh, no doubt. Um, now you have Ewers coming back. That's another kind of feather in the cap you take into the offseason. Um, they have some of the best it, underclassmen in the trenches, too. Like some of their O-linemen. Ethan mm-hmm. Burke is a like just nasty edge rusher who was a true sophomore. Those guys will really, really pump up the, the program next year in the SEC. And honestly, I mean, I think outside of Bama and Georgia, you, you start talking longhorns with the LSUs of the world, you know? Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, I was just impressed by Michigan's off or uh, Washington's offensive line. I mean, they won the Joe Moore award this year after Michigan won it two years in a row. I thought that Texas would be able to give them fits uh, with that front and just be able to actually get to Penix and rattle him a bit, but man, they kept him so clean. Penix did a great job, you know, running around, finding some windows and stuff too. So, um, you know, a little bit wrong on the read, but man, what a game too. Both of these games were unbelievable. Yes, and such a contrast of styles. I mean, it's where this mm-hmm. natty is going to be fascinating yeah. because going from one to this one was really like, whoa, these teams can really pass the rock. Um, let's take a quick break. Nowhere better to go. Holiday season, you're uh, recovering, you're enjoying some football, enjoying some winter sports, you know. This is the part of winter that gets a little more treacherous and there's nothing like a nice wreck brew when you warm up by the fire, come home, do whatever. Uh, you know, Breck brew, they've been with us forever. It's been Christmas ale season. Uh, we all have our favorites, avalanche, amber ale, mile high city, Broncos country, pale ale, the fun slinger. Don't forget the good company, hard seltzers. Check out the Breck brew.com beer locator to find a brew near you they're always the best man and of course shout out to our presenting sponsor high plains strains okay jake let's get into the other one where um you know lots to talk about with Penix and the broncos jj mccarthy much less so even though you look at the stat sheet 17 to 27 221 yards three passing touchdowns no interceptions, a 91 QBR. Not terrible from J.J., but you were really uh, disappointed from his performance. I mean, literally the first throw of the game, uh, I yes. feel like all this year Crazy. I've talked about is J.J. has to be better, especially in these big games, in the yeah. playoff games. And it's like he just – he literally just forgot who he was for like a minute or something and just threw the ball to the other team. It was crazy. Uh, they got bailed out on that play. 
he was clutch down the stretch. You got to give him that. You know, the athleticism was on shine. The like double pass where he made that ridiculous catch and then somehow got it down the field yeah. was one of the plays of the weekend. So, I mean, it's all still there for him. He's got the arm strength. He's got the athleticism. It's just, man, you got to be smarter with the football, JJ. And you wonder how they'll be opening it up against Washington to try and match their offensive prowess. Yeah, he's so interesting because then, you know, we were talking about this during the game afterwards. I was telling you, I mean, couldn't you see him in a boot-heavy Shanahan disciple type offense and all of a sudden he looks great, you know? Um, And he does live more on intermediate passes more and tight window throws you know like he -hmm. does have that to his arsenal but the consistency especially with the accuracy the easy arm cheese like just getting it out quick it's still not there man it's still not there and i don't know i mean what are your vibes on win or lose this natty what he's gonna do a great question. Because um, it's a four-deep quarterback class. Then there's Bo Nix as kind of this fifth guy. Cam Ward's declared. Um, there's also, there's other guys we could mention. But then mm-hmm. there's JJ kind of hanging over this whole situation. Um, and I wonder, especially if they win, if he would declare. I really wonder what the NFL thinks of this kid. Because the, the traits are very intriguing. And yeah. You know, he, he checks off a lot of Parcells rules, man, which roll your eyes all you want. But like yep. NFL evaluators, that doesn't go overlooked. I mean, man, he's got some like Brock Purdy to his game where he, he can does. just he does. He, he's got all those tools, man, where yeah. if you shorten the field for him, only make him read half the field. Like you said, boot him out, get some screens involved, just get the ball out quicker, force him to get the ball out quicker, to put him through these reads in the short game and have him make a decision, you know, tell him this is where the ball's got to go. That's kind of the way to harness him, I think, early on. Um, So he's got that. He's kind of like that Bo Nix mold too, where he's just not as chaotic, I guess, or as chaotic as Bo Nix was in the past, but they got a, you know, that little wild card to them where even Brock Purdy had it when we were talking about him in college too. Remember all the crazy things he did. So um, that's how I think you kind of reel him in a bit. It's that like classic argument, you know, would you rather have a quarterback that you have to reel in or you have to try and like bring out that aggressiveness? You know, he does, he's not afraid to sling that ball. So he does have that on his side. It's just, you know, how effective are you going to be as a head coach or as an offensive coordinator reeling it in yourself? Yeah, that's a great point. Um, and to some extent, I feel like he's been pretty reeled in at Michigan this season, especially in the second half. Yes, so it's a bit yeah. of a tough eval, you know. I mean, how much of that as you're evaluating him, are you going to give him some leeway and say, you know, they were kind of playing vanilla the second part of the season because they didn't want to give away anything as they're prepping for the Ohio State game, as they're prepping for these other big games. But that's where so many of the eggs in the evaluation basket are put into the national semi. And when he looks a bit mm, bit tentative, um, there's definitely plenty of questions to ask. He's a huge wrench thrown into this quarterback class. I mean huge. And how someone like Sean Payton, who we have seen gravitate towards athletic quarterbacks right um i mean shit he was adding guys like Taysom hill and other types 
in that mold just to throw wrinkles. And you always wondered if he had a quarterback who could be that Tyson Hill, but also be more of a conventional pocket passer. What could you have in place? Um, it's why I've got an extra eye on some of these athletes. And JJ's very intriguing in that offense, um, but he has to have a big bounce back because I'm sure plenty of people are listening to us here and thinking we're crazy to even think he's a pro prospect if they've only watched him in a couple um, big games. And, you know, the thing with JJ that'll scare you the most are the comps. <laughs> the dudes right. he reminds me of. Yeah. <laughs> It's Justin Fields. It's Marcus Mariota. There's plenty of Desmond Ritter to his game, you know, where it's like, oh, yeah, I mean, the arm size athleticism combo is good. He's won a lot. He can be accurate if you look at the stats, but there's plenty of throws where it's like, boy, what what happened there? You you missed that one pretty good. Um, so, yeah, man, yeah, he's a, he's a tough one. I would advise going back to school, but I really don't know. I really don't know what happens to Michigan if they win, especially what happens with Harbaugh. Did you see that nice little rumor that Brian Kelly would be intrigued by the Michigan opening if uh, Harbaugh were to bolt? I did hear that. He just fired, like, most of his defensive staff, too, at LSU. They've had a ton of players into the portal, so um, we'll see. I mean, there's, in my opinion, there's not many uh, replacements that are you going to top Jim Harbaugh or get close to that, but Brian Kelly gets pretty close, man. Um, yes, yes, he does. We're and a Brian Kelly-approved podcast. Absolutely, and I want I, he turned us around. He turned us around, yes, um, mm-hmm. and I wonder what LSU would do then. What would yeah, LSU man. do, Jake? I, that's a great question. This is a team that no quarterback now, too. Right. Right. And, I mean, that job is massive. Massive. Mm-hmm. Like, as big as they come. Um, and I don't know. I don't know. First name that came to mind, just because I'm in Raiders mode this week, was Antonio Pierce. Huh. Got some All swag, right. you know. He, his recruiting yeah. chops are no joke. Um, you heard that kind of stuff at ASU. No, oh, maybe maybe he's part of why those sanctions came down at ASU, but that doesn't matter. <laughs> Different era, Jake. Different era with those LSU resources, right? Uh, just just something to consider. But I I struggle to come up with names once I start to think LSU. Like, who are the huge names? I mean, I don't know. I'd almost be willing to throw out Kalen DeBoer even, too. Like Kalen DeBoer is a great one. This is where um, the Oregon guy also comes into play. And Lanning. And Lanning, right? Um, Because both those become very intriguing jobs. And I, I want, you know, then you start looking at, like, the tippy-top malcontents. So would would Ryan Day be like, screw you guys? You're not happy with these one wins, one lost seasons. I'm I'm Bolton. Would Dabo be like, screw this, man? I see the writing on the wall. Um, you know, because it's LSU. You got to think not just big. You got to think huge. Would Lincoln Riley be like, you know, this USC thing? I don't know. Um, uh, I'll throw out Jed Fish too at Arizona. 
That'd be a fun one. I would approve. I don't know that he's big enough. I, that's the thing with this job, because when it opened a few years ago, I don't think anyone really mentioned someone like Brian Kelly, um, because it seemed like he was pretty set at Notre Dame, and then he's yes. all of a sudden on the move. So, yes. yeah, this is a job that changes the landscape of college football. Um, I don't think Jimbo would just, be in the mix, you know. No, maybe Coach Drink. I mean, Missouri's gone crazy recently in the portal and all that. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I could see that. I mean, you almost wonder, do you call up someone like Bob Stoops? Mm-hmm. Are you desperate enough to start to see what Urban Meyer's up to? <laughs> I mean, it's it's that type of job, though. You're you're spot on. It's that type of job. Also, if there's ever a a state where like a little little grinding late night at the bar is no big deal, it's it's Louisiana. So <laughs> it's Louisiana. They, yeah, they might true. forgive them. There might not be as much hand wringing there. Hey, um, Bourbon Street's hot this week, man. Sure is. Sure is. What other takeaways do you have from this Bama Michigan just absolute defensive battle? Bama losing real close. So many guys have declared the top edges, the top corners, both very intriguing target or all four very intriguing targets for the Broncos in the upcoming draft. I mentioned JC Latham not looking um super great, though. I think overall the offensive lines really played up. Yeah. Yeah. What'd you think? Man, I've got so many ways to go here. Um, I guess most impressive, just Michigan, how they played in the front seven, how their offensive line played. Like you look at the, they had like a fourth and one, I think, late in the game, and they got like five yards of push on Alabama, which is crazy. I don't think we see that very often, even in the SEC. So they really came to play in the trenches. Uh, Jalen Milrow is just not ready yet. Um, he had some moments this year, you know, he had the Auburn game and all that. He can run around and do some stuff, but he's got to do more for this team to, with him to make a national title. Um, I thought Michigan did a great job coaching on the offensive side of the ball. They didn't really, like we talked about with JJ, they didn't, um, make him put the ball in harm's way, uh, as often as he, I guess, could have, but Kool-Aid McKinstry and Terry and Arnold weren't a factor in that game at all. Mm-hmm. Like That's great true. job by Michigan's coaching staff by limiting those guys' opportunities to make plays on the football. Yeah. hundred percent. And I mean, man, Michigan's defense was so impressive. Yeah. That was incredible. They dominated that Bama front that to me, the second of the half of the season really turned a corner was absolutely dominant. Um, and I mean, just look at what they did to Georgia. You know, they handled Georgia tremendously. Michigan's defensive front was just monstrous. Uh, Chris Jennings is a prospect I've talked up who would be a Broncos target. But I mean, Josiah Stewart was incredible. Brady McGregor, two guys on the edge that really brought it. That linebacker unit was awesome. They're bringing pressure off the, um, you know, off DB blitzes. They were just nasty man and yeah i mean you're right about milro he's been a phenomenal story he's had some outstanding plays you know i thought for a second there he might even be flirting with the heisman yeah sure but we got to this game and you know what he he cannot be the featured star of a bama offense 
He can be a great quarterback that could win a natty at Bama. I have no doubt about that. But he needs some of the star wide receivers, some of the star running backs that this yep. program has had in the past. He can't be the tippy top best athlete, best playmaker on that offensive unit. That you, you're just margins. Your margins are going to be limited to a certain extent. Um, and watch out for our guy Isaiah Bond. That dude is uh, yeah. really incredible. I think next year he could blow up, assuming they keep him. You never know with the transfer portal. So, yeah, that Michigan defensive performance, you know, I think it's almost been hard to fully handicap Michigan's defense this season because their schedule's been a little hard to evaluate. But in this game, they left no doubt. This is one of the tippy-top, if not full-blown, the top defense in the entire country. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, Bama's defense would have had a case. Washington's defense would have had a case. Texas's defense, tons of talent. Georgia's defense was still plenty loaded. So many of those defenses are very modern defenses, like the Washington defense. They can get after you, and they can cover you. This Michigan defense, top to bottom, second level, no weaknesses. They can cover you. They can get after you. And they will smother the fucking run, man. Um, yeah. And offensively, schematically, that was a, a Harbaugh masterclass. It was uh, very early in the game. The the commentators were talking about uh, Saban's telling his defense, you got to adjust at the line. They're making line switches, yeah. and and you're not adjusting. That's that's the that's a Harbaugh classic where he's he's pulling guards or he's shifting lines. And all of a sudden, you have to read the gaps. Your gaps need to shift, right? The A gap became the B gap or or vice versa. The A gap shifted one gap, and now it's ABC where uh, it would be BC. Um, and, and that's where a Bama defense that is a bit more modern, a bit more edges and corners, but in the middle, you didn't necessarily have the dogs that Michigan has on defense. That was a big difference, man. Dan Orlovsky had a video kind of breaking down the game tying drive for Michigan and how often they were shifting um, and just moving the formation around once they got set to really manipulate the field to their advantage. That Blake Corn fourth down conversion, that was all, you know, condensing the formation down. They came out wide, they condense it, they flip Blake to the other side of the formation and there's just no one covering him. Same thing on the Roman Wilson touchdown to tie the game. Um, They just moved around these guys had a late uh, motion and that's just what got them an open is they just Bama just didn't have numbers on those sides. So yeah, yeah, just fantastic uh, game plan by them all around. Really. They really took advantage of Alabama um, and not them not adjusting to their formations was crucial in this game. For sure. I mean, Harbaugh's having his masterclass season. This is just full on peak Harbaugh. And I'm so fascinated by what happens next. But first, there's a natty to be played, my friend. And um, how do you see this playing out? Man, um, I think I'm rolling with Michigan here. Um, Just what I saw from them in the trenches on both sides. I mean, it's the same thing I said about the uh, Sugar Bowl, but I think they can give that Washington line some problems. I think they'll be able to affect Penix. Like you said, they can cover down the field too, so – uh, this wide receiver core for the Huskies is out of control, probably best in the nation, but I think Michigan can handle them. And it's just all going to come down to JJ again, man. 
I mean, he was pretty clean after that, you know, the brain fart on the first play in the Rose Bowl. But, um, you know, we saw in the TCU game last year how quickly those bad decisions really flipped the game, especially if they're able to take him back for two scores like that. So um, I just like Michigan and what they can do in the trenches. And I love Penix, but, man, I think that um, we've seen it time and time again in the CFP. The trenches just win the, the whole thing all the time. Yeah, for sure. And it's really going to be a huge test for those trench players for Washington because how well they can uh, rush the passer, how well they can hold up. It's going to be huge. Four and a half seems a bit rich for Michigan. I think they keep it close. This Also, if you like Michigan, feels like an unders game. Um, I don't know how, yeah. how you see that. I think in a lot of ways it comes down to Washington's wide receivers. Really comes down to Washington's wide receivers. But yeah, I mean, it's a complete clash of styles. It's a styles make fights game. It's a, you know, it's a UFC. I used to break down fights in depth, you know, and it's like Washington's that stand up explosive kickboxer who could end the fight with like one big one big play, let's say, and uh, Michigan's the grinded out wrestler who, like, yeah, if you if you can keep it on on your feet, uh, good luck. But he's probably gonna ground and pound you to death, and you're never even gonna have a chance to show off your best tools. That's what concerns you if you're coming into this trying to bet on Washington is. Can they survive in the muck? And can can Michigan really set the tone and live there in the muck? I think this is a Michigan live bet game. Um, I do think there's a bit of team of destiny. I do think there's a bit of us against the world that's really bonded them together and prepped them for the season. And um, yeah, I think they're a more complete team. So I think that's ultimately what it'll come down to. Yeah, these two teams played uh, two years ago in 2021. Michigan just ground and pounded them. It was a very, very different Washington team. Uh, yes. Penix wasn't there. Uh, these receivers weren't doing stuff. You know, a few guys that we talk about, Braylon Trice played in that game, um, guys like that. But I, that's how you're going to have to win this game if you're Michigan, I think. Um, but to your point, like, accuracy is kind of undefendable at times. Like, it just beats good defense a lot. Especially with um, great wide receivers. Exactly. So if, yeah. as you said, they get, you know, five splash plays and Penix, you know, completes 75% of his passes and goes 300 plus. I mean, we're probably looking at a Washington win in that case. Yeah. Because that's the kind of scenario where it's like, well, how, how soon does Michigan go away from their identity? How soon do they mm-hmm. start to drop back and kind of chase this lead? Very interesting. Very interesting. Can't wait to break it all down with you next week, my friend. Shout out to Jay Mike, who I'm sure will be with us. And I cannot wait to get all his thoughts on all that's gone down. Always a pleasure doing this with you, Jakester. Thank you all for tuning in. We'll be back next week. Thank you to High Plains Stream for presenting this pod. We out.